welcome to our Bible Ponder for this week. We're continuing our series of short videos on underlooked at verses of the Bible that have quite an outsized impact on the story of the Bible and the story of Christianity. This week, I want to look at a bit of Ezekiel, which is one of the major prophets. It's a very, very long um, book of prophecy. Um, it's really, really interesting. It's um, one of the prophets we don't look at quite as much, partly because it's not quoted in the New Testament as much as a prophet like Isaiah or all of the Psalms and things like that. But it has a lot of really, really impactful bits of prophecy in it that play a really, really large role in Israel's self-perception and also in the conceptualization of who the Messiah would be. So there are a couple parts of Ezekiel that um, we maybe look at more than the rest of it um, that are probably familiar to you. One is the idea of the good shepherd, of um, God saying to Ezekiel, there are no good shepherds in Israel. None of you look after the people of Israel, but I will come. I myself will come and be the good shepherd, which then is echoed in Jesus's talk of being the good shepherd and then fulfilling that prophecy. And that's in Ezekiel 34. And then in Ezekiel 37, we have Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones um, coming to life with the breath of God breathing on them and then being raised up and that being the people of Israel, which then is echoed in the book of Acts when the breath of God comes like a wind. And also in the end of John, when Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So those are two parts of Ezekiel that we're maybe a bit more familiar with. But there's one sort of bookended vision that I think is really, really important. Um, and the first bit of that comes in Ezekiel chapter 10. <clears throat> In Ezekiel chapter 10, um, if, if you have a Bible with paragraph titles or, or titles over bits of it, which is added by the editors, um, the title for this chapter is, is usually something akin to God's glory leads Jerusalem or God's glory leads the temple. And that is essentially what happens. So if you want to go and read Ezekiel chapter 10, it's a really, really interesting thing. It's one of those um, bits of the Bible where our um, sort of cartoon conceptualization of what an angel looks like is really shattered. An angel is not just a, um, a handsome young man with um, a white robe and wings. Um, in this, you have a description of angels, and they have tons of wings and eyes, but they also form a chariot throne, um, and they also have human hands under their wings, and it's really quite wild and bizarre, this vision that Ezekiel's having. So go ahead and read that. But in this vision, Ezekiel sees this sort of chariot throne thing formed by these angels with eyes and wings and everything. And it forms itself above Jerusalem. And it forms a throne. And then the glory of God takes um, off out of the temple and takes a seat on the throne and then leaves. And so we get then in verse 18, Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house or other translations might say temple, and, and we infer that from a verse later on, but it is the word house, and the threshold of the house and stopped above the cherubim. The cherubim lifted up their wings and rose up from the earth in my sight as they went out with the wheels beside them. They stopped at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord, and that's what house it is, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. 
So remember a few weeks ago we talked about um, the construction of the tabernacle and how when they build the tabernacle, we have then God coming to dwell there above the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant, and that would be God's throne, and that would be God's place among the people of Israel. Again, not exclusively that God is everywhere, but that would be specifically where God could be met. And so for this vision in Ezekiel there, to to have a vision of because of Israel's sin, because of Israel's unfaithfulness, the Spirit of God actually leaving the temple. It's not even just that Israel's in trouble or Israel's been invaded or something's going wrong. God is actually leaving the temple. And that would have been the worst thing that they could have possibly imagined because that is where God promised to be. And that's why at the end of Ezekiel in chapter 43, he does have a vision of God returning to the temple, returning to the Holy of Holies and reinstating that promise of dwelling there forever. But that prophecy part of Ezekiel is not fully fulfilled because the temple is um, temple of Solomon is destroyed. It's then rebuilt. And what we call the second temple period is when the temple has been rebuilt, it kind of gets destroyed and rebuilt a couple of times, but really mainly rebuilt um, before Jesus is born. And this temple is massive. It's glorious. And it, it is there until the 60s in the common era. And 63 CE finally is when the siege that the Romans have done <clears throat> over the city of Jerusalem succeeds. They go through the city. They ransack it. They destroy most of it, and they destroy the temple. And the general Pompey goes into the Holy of Holies. And we have a description from the historian Tacitus and also the Jewish historian Josephus that says when he goes in, he doesn't find anything. Now, he finds treasures, but he doesn't find the Ark of the Covenant, and he doesn't find God. Now, for Tacitus, that's them saying, well, he went in and he didn't find God. But the fact that there is nothing there, there isn't even an ark. For some Jewish people at the time of Jesus, there was a thought that Ezekiel 10 had happened. That vision had been enacted that God had left, but Ezekiel 43 hadn't quite happened yet. That although there was a temple, God hadn't fully returned and God hadn't fully returned God's favor to the people because they were still ruled over by Rome and they were still under this um, under the thumb of Caesar. And so um, they were still looking for Ezekiel 43 to take place where God's presence would return to the temple. And so then when Jesus dies and the temple curtain is torn, it is almost as, as symbolically saying that, okay, Ezekiel 3 isn't going to be fulfilled in the same way where you're going to have a temple, a literal temple, the literal holy of holies and God returning. But what you will have is now the temple is extended and God's presence is now with us. And then you get that New Testament theology of the church becoming the temple where God dwells. And so it's it's a fulfillment of prophecy, but it's a, again, a twist in the way that often it is for Jesus in the early church, where they see these Old Testament passages and they see them fulfilled, but they see them fulfilled not in a literal sense of the people of Israel, but in a new way, in a surprising and um, incredibly more welcoming and more open sort of way. So that is our sort of un under-talked-about text for today, Ezekiel 10 and God leaving the temple. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a good week. Bye-bye.